excuses, man. We give them too many times, and sometimes in that, with our worship in times, we do that. We give excuses for so many things, and we've been, we've been in this for just this month, and, and we said, we declare we're on excuses. Because if we can take 2022 and just start walking forward without an excuse, how much further are you going to be? We can't go back to the past and say, man, I would probably be even further if I wouldn't have gave excuse here, here, and here. Well, those moments are gone. So where you are is where you are. From this point, you've got to keep moving forward without excuses. What I love about the house today is everybody sitting in their seats didn't make an excuse not to come to church. Y'all came to church because it was important to you. And what's crazy is people are so good. It is almost like second nature to give an excuse anymore. It is the crazy. They're so good at giving an excuses. Now, before you hit me up last year at this time, and you asked me to go work out, I'm telling you, the smallest excuse, I was blowing that up, stretching it out. I was doing everything I can to give an excuse not to do it. I would ride that thing forever. And, and look, there's times when it's cold and it's early in the morning, your alarm goes off, you want to keep hitting that button. And my dumb phone, my phone's my alarm, and it vibrates and it sits by my bed and you're like, I'm like, I feel like I'm in some weird, like my dream turns weird real fast when that thing starts shaking. Like, what the? <laughs> it just freaks me out, but I don't know, I never change it. But I could hit that snooze button and snooze button and snooze button. Last year at this time, I would have gave every, and I, I, I wouldn't have, I did give every excuse, every reason why not to do it. Every little, I grabbed it, I held onto it, I fed it, I rocked it. I had a child of excuses. I had a lot of family excuses. And I found myself just slowly dripping down and not getting up. Not, and I told you, I told you the story, and I'm not going to get deep into this, but I told you at this point last year, like March of last year is when I started to finally just like, God, I got to do something. If my body's the temple, what the heck am I doing with this thing? And I, I got to the heaviest I've ever been in my life. I was at 260 pounds. Now, that might not be a lot for some people, but for me, that was too much because it wasn't good for my health. My health was jacked up. And I didn't want to do anything, so I just kept giving excuses and sitting. And guess what I was doing in my excuses? I was mad. I was mad for the result. I was mad because of this. Well, I ain't starting. I ain't doing nothing. It's crazy because excuses really affect you in so many different ways. How many know that we can give excuses for anything? I mean, it's anything. We're quick to give them. When we think about excuses, basically, what is an excuse? The definition, and I'm going to share it with you in a different way, for uh, excuses for today is an excuse is offering up a cover-up reason to conceal the real reason. The, an excuse is just a cover-up to conceal the real reason. It's just a cover-up. That's what they are. That we don't want to own up to the real thing. So what do we do? So we come up with other lies. We tell other people. We tell ourselves. We even tell God. And really, it's just an excuse. 
to cover up the real thing. Maybe that has been in your past. Maybe that's you right now. It's just I'm giving an excuse because it's really covering up the real thing. And maybe some people can't come to church today because it was more of an excuse to cover up the real thing because if you really would have just walked in the door, God would have healed your soul. Because what, what is church anyway? It's, it's a gathering of people. We gather, and what do we do? We walk by faith, knowing and expecting God to do something. And here's the crazy thing. Excuses aren't even a new thing. This ain't like, oh, we're, we're in this thing of talking about excuses. Man, we're going to keep talking about excuses. I'm over it. But it's not even a new thing. It's been going on since the beginning of time. It's been going on, and if you study the Bible, it all started a long time ago. People coming together. They show up in the book of Genesis. The first human beings on earth. And here's what happens. So Adam, he's hanging out in the garden. He's naked, no shame, enjoying life. And God says, look, don't eat of that tree. There's just one tree. You can have everything else. There's nothing else that you're going to have to worry about. But just don't eat of that tree. Just one tree. We're rocking it out in here. Just eat of that one tree. Don't eat of that one tree. And, and one day, here, here we go. What happens? Eve walks by, and the serpent starts talking to Eve into eating the fruit. So, Eve. Evie, Eve, you know. And there is this manipulation that takes place, and Eve falls for the fruit. The Bible says that she eats the fruit, and then Adam shows up on the scene, and Eve's like, Hey, babe, you want some fruit? And Adam's like, all right. <laughs> and so they eat the fruit. And eating the fruit, they were naked, and it was a good day. <laughs> but so both started to have some changes happen in this moment. They're eating fruit, and things start changing in the moment. They both start standing against God. And sin enters the equation. You're eating the fruit, and it was good, and all of a sudden I realize I'm butt naked. <laughs> well, why was that a problem in the first place? Because sin was never in the equation. And they started to realize there was a problem, and sin came in, and it separated. And God shows up, and he confronts them. And here's the craziest part. They knew what they did. And they knew it was wrong. And in fact, the Bible says that they quickly recognized that they were naked. And they fell. And they feel shame. And they went into hiding. And can I just stop real quick? Because i got to get into this real fast. But this is what sin does. And people act like they, 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 they play ignorant to it. The moment sin attacks and stuff starts happening in your life, you recognize it. You know it. You know. And then what happens? Shame. What does shame do? Separate. Well, we're going to go hide. Like God's playing hide and seek. Okay, I'm counting to three. Like, I don't know where you are. Where are you? And, and he says that in the Bible. Well, where are you? Where are you? 
And it's not like that God didn't know where they were. He just needed them to know where they were. It wasn't about where you were hiding. Where are you in your soul? Where are you? I gave you everything you could ever ask for, and you go against the one thing I said you shouldn't eat. Just the one thing. And in our, and in our nature, isn't that how, why we have to be good stewards of, of raising our children? Because they push the limits anyway. Because they don't know boundaries, and we have to help create them. And too many times, that, that's not a thing with some people. Too many times, it's like, you know, we, we talk about it after they get burnt. Or, or we, we count to whatever, because counting's works all the time. It's just, uh, it's just a longer way to be disobedient, honestly. I'm going to count to five. Okay, I'll do it till four. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's just different things that happen, but if, if, if you, parents, is this right? If I said no, I mean, is that, is that it? Is that the end? And, and, and the child wants to do what? Well, that's, I mean, I just want to take the fruit. You know, I just want to. And what do you have to do? You have to teach them. And so, anyway, this ain't even the story. So, they're hiding. They're, 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 they're in this little hide-and-seek group now. They knew what they did was wrong. But when God showed up, here's what happens. He says, why did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? Ready for this? Eve says, here's her excuse. Well, the serpent made me do it. The snake made me do it. That's like today, you guys, and what, what, what's around us a lot? Cats, dogs. My dog made me do it. That cat made me do it. Like some animal made me do something I wasn't supposed to do. So her excuse was, the snake made me eat this which the snake has no arms. Well, it kind of had some because now after this, the snake has to slither. But it isn't like the snake grabbed it and said, okay, I'm going to put it in your mouth. You need to close your mouth and I need you to chew. She grabbed it. The snake was conniving and she took a bite. So she blames the snake for the main issue. And her excuse, she gave control, she gave power to the snake. It had power over me, so I, I ate it. That's nice. So here's what's worse. So Adam, God's talking, and so Adam's like, okay, God. Adam's excuse is even worse, church. Adam's like, okay, God, if you wouldn't have put this woman in my life, <laughs> here with me, I, it wouldn't have happened. So what does he do? Adam gives two excuses. He blames the woman, and he blames God for giving him the woman. Adam's excuse is twofold, the woman and God. And here's the reality. It's not even the real reason. It's the reason that they offered up. It's the reason that they conjured up. You go to the book of Exodus. Here we are with Moses. He shows up one day at the burning bush. And the bush starts to speak to him. It's God in the bush. And God's in the bush saying, Moses, go to Egypt and set my people free. Sounds like that movie, huh? Um, it's a nice four-hour movie, too. <laughs> he says, go to Egypt, Ten Commandments, and set my people free. And what's Moses do? The first thing Moses does is give an excuse. Uh, 
But God, who's going to listen to me? But God, I've got, I've got a, a I got a, I got a stuttering problem. Stuttering Stanley. I got a stuttering problem. But God, I don't even speak good. There's no way you're going to use me. There's no way you're going to have me go all the way back to Egypt and you're going to tell me to tell them to set the people free. I don't speak good. I, I can't do that. You know what's funny about Moses? It sounds like some of us. We first give an excuse why God couldn't use us. Or if I, if you, they say that the, the, the third scariest thing ever to do on the earth is speak. One's like people are afraid of sharks and clowns and public speaking. That's like the three top. Some people would flip out if you're like, hey, could you speak? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, I, mm, mm. I, I don't even know the right people. Moses is like, I don't even know the right people. There's no, I stutter. I can't talk. I can't even focus. Now you got me. I'm sweating. I got, I got hot flashes. You, your fire is too hot. Back off. <laughs> I don't think I can do that. But, but, I'm not even an outgoing person, God. But, like, I, I, I have trouble. I, I, I don't even, I, I can't even talk to one person. I barely talk to a dog. Like, I can't talk much. But, but, but God, but God, but God, but, but God. Here's the thing. If you're going to step into your, your future, if you're going to step into your destiny, you've got to get over your butt. You have to get over your butt. Come on, church. You got to make a little bit of noise on that. You showed up, so why don't you offer up? You know what I'm saying? You have to get over your butt. Listen, Christians are very creative on giving excuses. Not just regular, listen, Christian people. The majority of people in this room are, are Christian people. The majority of people that go to church are so-called Christian people. They're very creative. If there was a degree in excuses, Christian people would have that degree. Like there would be something to go for. <laughs> when it comes to a Christian person, Let's just go here. When it comes to a Christian person breaking up with somebody, you know, uh, I really feel the smoldering. I really feel right now that um, in this season in my life, that the Lord is drawing me near to him. It's not you. It's, it's, it's about being with God. I need, I need a season with God. So this relationship's not going to work out. I, I just, you know, the Lord's calling me in this season. We're good at making excuses as Christians. It's not you. And here's the reality. What is that? That's a cover-up. Because what? You're afraid to say, I don't like you anymore like that. So we'll blame God. We'll use God as our cover-up 
to get what we want out of it. We'll use God as the excuse to say, you know, I'm just in a season with God, so I got to go ahead and, instead of saying, you know, I really don't like you like that, and I, I think I need, we'll give too many excuse, excuses, and we'll blame God. It's easier to blame God. I mean, it's, that's our go-to, right? Our Christians, some, some Christians over-spiritualize everything. They blame God all the time. Or if, and, and this happens a lot, doing ministry for a long time. People leave the church. People leave a church. What do we do? Well, here's what we don't do. We don't ever want to just say, you know, uh, I'm going to go talk to the pastor and uh, just talk to him about, you know, just some things I'm feeling or whatever about going, leaving or whatever the case is. First, they'll just go talk to everybody else or make up an excuse why they're leaving the church. Instead, they'll, they'll probably go, you know, uh, I just don't really feel like I'm getting fed there. You know, I, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed there. Not getting fed? Are you serious? Is it not getting fed or you just don't know how to eat? Like that happens a lot. I had a teenager look at me one year. This is a long, long time ago, like 2008. He was like, you know, I'm just not getting fed, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and go somewhere else. I'm like, boy, what is wrong? Like, oh, okay. Oh, go, 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 open your mouth. Open your mouth. Like, I get, listen, I understand the process of growth and helping develop. I understand that. Too many times we give so many excuses. Because reality is, is I'm, I'm in a routine, so I'm going to sit there with a the muzzle on my mouth and not eat. And then give an excuse to blame the church, the pastor, the words, anybody else in leadership that I just was starving. <laughs> Adults know how to open up their Bible. How to get from God. Adults know how to go and say spiritual growth is not dictated by anybody else. It's my responsibility. Spiritual growth is my responsibility. That's when we, why we preach. And, and we say, like, go, go to, like last week she, was, she gave you some extra scriptures. Go, go read those scriptures. This is good eating, but you should have already been eating. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the reality of, of and, and if, listen, if you don't know, and you're like, I don't even have a Bible and this and that, we'll, we'll try to fix that problem for you. There's a few ways. There's a, a digital way, and then there's a, a, a Bible in your hand. But you got to eat. Because once a, once a week, listen, church, if you ate once a week, you are not going to survive. Well, it's time to eat. It's Sunday. It's about brunch time. You know, that, that's not going to cut it. you got to eat. The rest of the week. <laughs> and Lord knows we, we in here eating. And physically eating, Lord knows some of y'all ain't going to miss a meal. For real. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? When we leave here, guess what? What's on our mind? We're thinking about what we're about to eat. What are we going to go eat? Unless you've already prepared and planned and all that, we already got that on our mind. If that's the case physically, is it on your mind spiritually? Are you preparing spiritually? Or is it just, I just missed a meal. It's just whatever. I missed another one. It's all right. Oh, here's my excuse. We'll call it fasting now. Anyway. <laughs> it's my responsibility. Are you serving in church? Oh, well, 
Because, you know, Christians are good at excuses. Are you serving in church? Well, you know, I'll pray about it. Pray about it? <laughs> quit lying. Prayer is code. <laughs> For quit asking me about it. And when I use the word prayer, I get out of it because it's an excuse. And the reason is, is because I said prayer and I'm praying about it is that you will leave me alone because you think I'm praying about it. So it's my excuse card to get out of it. I'll pray about it. And here's another one. Do you ever share your faith? Do you share your faith? Well, well, I don't really share my faith with people I don't know. You know, because I really feel that it's not my spiritual gift, you know. I, you know, I'm not much of an evangelist. I'm more like a teacher, probably more a pastor, maybe an apostle. Sometimes I'm a prophet, but I'm not an evangelist, so I don't really share my faith with people that I really don't know. Where do we come up with this stuff? Like, you all sit there, this is real stuff that people do. Like the fivefold ministry, which I'm not saying I'm against that at all, but people want to pick and choose what they want to do. Well, I'm just not that evangelist. I just need to. What? God's called us to do what? God didn't sit down and try to tell you which one you should do. He said, go reach the world. Go seek and save the lost. You're getting quiet real quick. I'm probably going to we'll have 10 people not be here next week. It's weird. But too many times we give excuses. Christians are famous for excuses. It's an excuse not to do so. It's an excuse the way, and we use good godly terms and put the God stamp on it to get ourselves out of something when it's just you know for a fact that's not the truth. <laughs> the truth of the matter is that we're offering up excuses. The reality of it is we don't want to take responsibility. Because if we're going to define responsibility, I think it's the ability to respond. Let's just keep it real simple. It's the ability to respond. The ability to respond. Here's what I mean. You're all human beings. And because we're human beings... We have the ability to respond in different things that are thrown our way, different ways that are thrown our way. Here's what I'm talking about. Animals, animals have what? They operate out of instinct. They just do the same thing out of a pattern. They can't change. It's basic instinct. They go with their feeling. They go with their gut. But you and I, we're created in the likeness and the image of God. You and I can step back into a situation and step back out of it and have the ability to respond in it. Here's what I mean. We have the ability to respond. We don't have to offer an excuse. We can rise above the circumstances we can rise above the setbacks, church. We can rise above the gossip. We can rise above the betrayal. We can rise above the abuse. We can take responsibility. 
I can't choose my situation. You can't choose your situation, but you always get to choose your spirit. You don't control my spirit. You don't control my response. Every time I give you control of my response, I'm relinquishing that which makes me human. I can respond. I don't need to give an excuse. I can get honest with myself, honest with others, honest with God. I'm not going to offer up any more excuses. I have the ability to respond. I really believe that as we encounter Jesus and the gospel, your reasonable response is that you begin to put faith into action. When you encounter him, you begin to put faith into action. That my faith is just not a Sunday morning faith. My faith, it's actually the entire essence of my life. And it impacts every area of my life. I want to look at Acts. And I want to talk about some practical handles, I guess, we can look at uh, when we're living this life and have some solutions and not excuses. And two weeks ago, I preached a sermon in the book of Acts about a lame man laying at a beautiful gate. And we're talking about being stuck and how we're stuck sometimes and how the situation. I couldn't get away from the story. So I'm going to read it again. The man's looking for a coin. You know there's always two sides of a coin, right? They say that, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak this same not sermon, but this same scripture, which is rare. And I'm going to give you a different angle on it. Last, or two weeks ago, it was more about the lame man. This week, it's about the people who showed up. Acts 3.1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth began birth was being carried to the temple gate, beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Every day. Crazy. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, which is crazy. Let me stop right there. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, so where was the lame man then? If he's on the outside of the gate, he literally has to be right by the gate. Right where the gate comes and the wall's there and the gate, sitting right on the corner by the gate. So when he saw him about to enter close enough to the gate, have you ever been so close you just get, uh, hmm. didn't even get to get to the other, I'm, I'm looking at the other side, but I don't feel like, I, don't, I, I can't get over there. I want God to, I, I, it's right there, but I just can't. As he began uh, to enter, as he sees them entering, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter said, look at us. Then the man gave him his, 
his attention expecting to get something from them. Expecting to get something from them. I guess if I, I had a title, this is the one I, I, I would want to put, and this is the one I did put. All you have is all you need. All you have is all you need. What's crazy in Acts is Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 is really, honestly, when you look at the, the book of Acts, those first two chapters, it is all about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3 is really about faith and action and the Spirit moving. There's Peter and John, the disciples of Jesus, heading to the temple to pray. And for the, I'll say this, for the first 50 years after Jesus ascended, Judaism and Christianity were very, very close together. They would go to the same temple and pray, and they would go to the same temple to worship. They would begin to have discussions and debates about theology. The key thing that was different about what they believed and that Jews are, are still waiting for was the coming of the Messiah. While the Christians, we believe that the Messiah has already come. He was, he was already there. He already came. That's where that big debate was. Oh, he can't be the Messiah. He ain't came yet. He was, he's not coming. He's not coming. It's not him. It wasn't him. And his name was Jesus. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the Old Testament. And he offers us salvation by grace through faith when we put faith in him. His righteousness is transferred over to us, and it's called the good news. Peter and John are on their way to the temple, and they see a man that's lame by, from birth, meaning he can't walk. He's immobile. He's been sitting there. He sits there daily outside of the gate called Beautiful, asked for money, and Peter and John are walking by, and he's telling them, please give me some money. Now, so listen, we've already heard this story once, and what I love about it, I don't know if it was, if you were here two weeks ago, and you need to go back and listen to this, but I felt like we were right there in that story. I felt like we were watching from a distance what was happening with this man, and being in that position like that man. Here's what's crazy. The man's asking for money, and here's where we are right now. We are about to see something extraordinary happen. We're about to see something extraordinary take place. We're about to see the supernatural ability of God at work. The miraculous at hand. Please note, before any extraordinary comes, ordinary has to happen. Before any extraordinary comes, ordinary has to happen. Peter and John are on their way to pray. It was their regular custom, their ordinary order of business. Something they did all the time. They went to the temple. They went to pray. They went in there. There was, there was a mixed emotion in there because there was Christians in there. And there was the, the Jewish people in there that didn't believe Jesus even came yet. They were still praying that he was still coming after he already came. And so there's debates in there. And there's theology in there. And they're unrolling the scrolls in there. And this is the order of business just to keep doing this daily. I would say this, if you want God to move in the supernatural, you better get used to obeying God in the natural. You got to get used to obeying God in the natural. We're trying to focus on, like, we need a supernatural moment. We need this super, are you obeying God in the natural moments? 
Are you doing something with God in the natural moments? Don't come with a high of what is going. See, this, is, this happens a lot. Maybe God's doing something in the church and, and there's just, it's all fired up. People start coming in because they want to, they they, you know, want to get high for a minute. And what they didn't realize is the people that are all fired up and God's doing, and you, you, can, you, you can hear it in the room even here at times. With the worship and the way people are a part of this church, it's because the natural started to obey the Spirit of God. And people are like, and then they get high, and they're, woo, this was awesome, man, and God moved, blah, 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 and they go back to their own place, and it's just the same old thing. And then they're like, well, we got to do it like they did it, because if they do it like this, it's gonna, we're going to get the same results. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, if he puts a, if we have a unique identity don't you think he's going to have that even at different places? <laughs> I mean, look how he did some of the miracles. He didn't repeat himself a lot. He did them different at times. Some crazy stuff. Okay. Uh, the secret to your success is wrapped up in the daily routine. Everybody is all excited about the miraculous. And here's what's crazy is the miraculous at times is wrapped up in the mundane. The regular stuff. The coming and going stuff. To believing and trusting and praying and worship and going to church stuff. Wrapped up in the everyday stuff. The stuff they were doing every day. Here's the challenge we face, church. Hear me loud and clear. Everyone wants a harvest, but no one wants to plow the field. Everyone wants the harvest, but no one wants to plow it. We want to talk all day about the breakthrough and the harvest and the miracles and the amazing things, but I'm telling you, the secret to harvest is learning to love plowing the field. There was a season at our church when we started that we were just praying for rain. The ground was hard, and we didn't stop plowing. We could have gave up. We could have shut the doors. We could have said, man, we can't do this. The Bible belt's real tight here in this area. They call that the Midwest area the Bible belt. And some people are choking and dying over it. And it's nothing healthy. But you got to love plowing the ground. Now see, in our mind, we're looking at those big old red AC, self-driving, Tesla plowing. Let me tell you how they plowed. They grabbed an animal, put their hands behind, and they walked. Whether it was raining, whether it wasn't, whether it was dry, they tried to plow the ground. But you've got to love plowing. Everybody wants a harvest, but no one wants to plow the field. It's three in the afternoon, and they were on their way to prayer. And here's what's crazy. This wasn't new to them. It wasn't new at all to them. They made a habit in their life to do that. Is that prayer is what we do, and worship is what we do. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep worshiping. God is about, about to do something amazing. What do we do? We keep praying. We keep worshiping. Because he's bound to do something amazing. 
You got to fall in love with plowing the field. It's the consistent plowing. It's the consistent showing up. Showing up's half the battle. And I'll say this, my wife and I, we're part of a local church. We decided when we got married, we're just going to show up. We're going to do this. We're going to have a heart for God's house. You wonder where my wife is today? She's preaching to the children. You see what I'm saying? There's no like, oh, we got to talk to the kids today. No, we get to go talk to them. We get to see what God's going to do in their life today. You see what I'm saying? We decided we're going to show up. I don't wake up on Sunday and think, well, I might have something else to do. I might be doing something. No, I woke up thinking, I get to go to the house of the Lord today. I get to lift him up. I get to gather with people. That's what we do. I didn't have any other options. Well, you know, if it was summer, I would have been on the, I've been doing something else for, you know, today. You know how many people substitute church and God? Trying to find their happiness and church is a part of my life. Why? Because what we discovered is the harvest is on the other side of us plowing. That's why it's a part of my life. Why? Because we get to see those kids grow up and lead this church. We see those kids that are teenagers now and some of those teenagers that are young adults now help leading things in this church and, and serving in this church. That's why. Because we're not stopping plowing. We will continue to plow. We discovered that the extraordinary is on the other side of the ordinary. We've learned that something happens on Sunday. It, 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 it's going to happen. Like We've learned that if we just put our faith in God, something's going to happen. That we walk in with an expectation that God's going to do something great today. When I walk in those doors, when I park across that street and keep parking across that street because I know it's going to be full one day, I'm going to walk in with an expectation. Today might be the day. I'm going to give it all. We've learned that something's going to happen. Just show up. Don't miss what God is doing. Just keep coming back. I'm going to keep hoping that God and knowing that God's going to do something. And here's what's crazy. I've learned that Sunday impacts Monday, and Sunday impacts Tuesday, and Sunday impacts Wednesday, and Sunday impacts Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday impacts the week. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm not going to give excuses. I'm showing up. God's got something in store. Trust in God in the ordinary and watch him do the extraordinary. Give him the ordinary. What if God showed up? What if he does the miraculous? Fall in love with the ordinary things. Get plugged into church. Fall in love with the ordinary things. Serve on a team. Get plugged in. Next week we're going to talk about a few things coming up. Get plugged in. We're going to kick off some stuff with the men, young adults, the women. we got stuff going with the youth and the kids. Get plugged. There's no excuse not to get plugged in. Serve. Help in the kids' ministry. Fill out one of these. They're here for a reason. It's not that we're like in dire need, but I'll tell you this. Some of the kids that are in this room right now is because some adults won't go back there. 
Oh, that hurts. Oh, Lord. And, that, and, and listen, I ain't, I ain't afraid of the kids being in here. I've, they've, some acted out, some acted nice. It, it doesn't matter. I've had kids, so it, I tune it out anyway. Like, it ain't a thing. Like, I'm, I'm good with it. But the reason we don't have some of those rooms open is because we have to have so many people to operate those rooms. Listen, we got people with background checks. We got, I mean, we, it's not like a babysitting club back there. We're really fully devoted to seeing God move on those kids and understand who God is. But it takes the church. It takes, it takes filling out a form saying, hey, I want to see that. Whether it's movers and, and toddlers that are able to go back. And I get the pandemic screwed up a lot of stuff. People are afraid to do that. But we try our best to keep everything clean. When you're not here, we spray every chair and we spray all this stuff. We do all this stuff over the top. Just because we're like, well, it's just one more thing we can do to help. Now, we can't prevent all this stuff, but we're going to try our best to do what we can do. And so, you know, serve. So find, find something to serve in. There's other things than kids. It's just kids is kind of the focus in some areas because we, we just need more help back there. And I'm thankful for the group of people that have nonstop plowed the ground back there for the last year and a half. Nonstop plowed the ground back there. Find a way to serve. Now, well, I'm just going to get tried. I don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss that. You want to talk about conviction? Watch those kids talk to you. You want to see pure worship? Watch those kids lay at the altar. That's the real deal. It's amazing. Just like what we've done in the youth and serving on a team and helping in the media. Like, there's so much to do. Just get plugged in. Watch what God does when you take the ordinary and you get outside of yourself. Watch what he does. The extraordinary happens. Well, I'm not qualified. You were, nobody's qualified. Are you willing? Because bottom line is, if you don't fill it out, you're just not willing. I mean, is that the truth? Is this real? That's real stuff. Because in the end, it's not even about a qualification. If that was the truth, Felicia, you should never run sound. But you're probably the best sound person I know. <laughs> and I'm thankful for you. <laughs> you know what she said? And I, I hate, I'm just saying it, Felicia, okay? I love you. She just said, you know what? I, I see, there's a need. I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to do what I can. And I'm telling you right now, she's got an ear for that sound. If the sound sounded good today, it's because of Felicia. It's not because of me. <laughs> she, she, did, she does a great job. Why? Because what? She was willing to try. Oh, it looks so confusing. It's not that confusing. Just narrow it in. And sometimes we got to do that in general. The mountain's so big, I can't get around it. Actually, if you scoot back, it's just a little molehill. Let me finish this. He does the extraordinary. The Bible says that this man was outside of this gate called beautiful, and he was begging. Isn't it good to know that the God we serve focuses on those who are hurting? Isn't it good to know that he focuses on the hurting? If his eye is on the sparrow, how much more is it on us? You know what I mean? Like if it is on that, how much more is it on me and on you? It's amazing. Jesus loves the misfits. Jesus loves those that society pushes out and pushes away. Jesus loves the disabled. He loves the hurting. He loves the, the lame. And Jesus came so that the lame may walk. 
The Bible says Peter and John walked by the temple gate. The man was sitting there. They were getting ready to go in. And he asked them, can I have some money? He, he said that he cried out, hey, give me some money. Give me some money. And it says immediately Peter and John stopped. Stopped dead in their tracks and looked at him. And said, look at us. Look at us. Now, let me be real about this. This moment would be kind of weird. Think about this. In this moment right here, I got all your attention. Hey, everybody. Wake up, youth. Good job. Look at me. Rise and shine. Look at us. Look at me. It's not that bad, huh? Now, let me take you to go out to eat or to Starbucks, and we're sitting there getting a drink. Hey, look at me. Right here. Look at me in my eyes. I'll drop something. It's a pen. Look at me. Now, that's going to get weird. We're sitting like two feet away. Look at, first, look at me. No, right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, like in a big room, like, look at me. Everyone's like, okay, we're looking. And Peter and John are at this man. Look at us. He's probably thinking, crap, I, what? I am looking at you. That's why I stopped you. I need your money. <laughs> it kind of gets weird. But here's what it is. It's an indication that Peter and John are completely focused on the need. Look at me. They're taking responsibility for that which is in front of them. Look at me. And basically what they're saying is, listen, look at me. Don't look, don't look at like what you think is in my pocket, but look at the, the God that's inside of me. Look at me. They're taking responsibility. They're getting ready to see the miraculous take place. Rather than offering an excuse to the problem, they're, they're saying, hey, we know that we've seen Jesus. We know that he was crucified. He was buried and he rose again. And the, we know that the word declares. Everybody wants to declare something. The word declares that the same power that rise Christ from the dead lives in us. So I know the word says greater things than, that you will do than I did. So look at me. <laughs> so they had the man look. Because something was about to happen. And there's things you got to get a hold of. I'm going to say them real quick. Then we're going to get up out of here. And hopefully my wife's team wins this, the, the main championship today. She's all decked out in Chiefs. Um, got her beanie on and everything. She, she a Chiefs girl from Kansas City. Um, so I'll represent with her. I like the Colts, but I ain't cheating on the Colts. I, I just, you know, whatever. So here's what happens. Let me say it one more time. All you have is all you need. You got to get this in your, your soul, in your mind. I don't care if you write it on your mirror. You got to get a reminder, set of 10 reminders. All you have is all you need. Acts 3, 6. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Look at me. I don't have silver and gold. Listen what they did. That we could have threw the money real quick. We know he needs money. Okay, he's in need of money. Okay. But was he really? Here's my 
First main point of this, real quick, just wanted to just throw it out there real quick so you could just, something you could write it down, and it's real quick. Give what you got. Give what you got. It's, it's, it's just simple. I'm going to keep this real simple. Give what you got. Instead of offering an excuse, give what you have. What do you have? Give what you have. Give what you got. I know I don't have everything, but I have something. I have something to give you. If you release that which you have, God will start to multiply it. You have something to give. Release it and see what God does. You will see God do the miraculous. The challenge is, is too many times we live with excuses. What I have. Well, it's not valuable. What I have, it's too little. What I have, it doesn't compare to what they have. I can't give it. And here's what we do. We start playing a comparison game. We start giving excuses of why we can't do something. We look around at people on the left and right, and we forgot. God's not calling you to run their race. God's calling you to run your race. So if somebody can give more, that's on them. But you give what you have. There's a story, and you've got to look it up. Just, just type in the words if you don't know. Widow's might. You would understand it. Because that's all she had was just a little. You just, you got to read it. You can't run a race if you're always looking to the left and right. You have to look forward to give what you got. And here's the crazy thing that we all can agree on, that we all can agree on this. Everybody's got something to give. Everybody in this room has something to give. I love Peter and John. This guy's yelling, hey, I need money. And they stop, they look, and they say, look at us. We don't have silver and gold, but we have something else. His name's Jesus. And if you want, we are willing to give you everything we have. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> and he turns the situation around. You have to learn to give what you got. Give what, you're like, well, I, I can't do that. I don't have very much. Let me, can I, can I break it down real quick? You know who's good at doing this? Those kids. Kids are great at this. They, they're, not, they're not giving excuses what they don't have. They, they give what they got. What do they do? They draw us a picture. They say, I love you. What do they do? They say, you're the best. They encourage you. Last week in children's church, they did something with a card, and Zion made a card and drew a picture and said, I love you, Dad. I love you, Mom. And then he, do it with, he did it with two different colors, and he's like, look, Dad, this color is because you like this color, and this color is because Mom likes this color. And so I wanted to let you know that I love you today. Give what you got. Kids are amazing at this. You have a card, and it, he gave what he got. So when, when a kid decides to give what they have, there's no strings attached. They just want to show love. And all they had was some encouraging words. So here's the thing. When a kid decided to give what, he, what they have so these adults can have a seed of encouragement planted in their life, if kids can do something, you definitely can do something. 
give what you have. The Bible does hit hard on this. In the Bible, it talks about not forsaking the children. Talking about the childlike faith. And I think sometimes we forget that we are children of God. So children of God, give what you got. Kids do it well. We can do it too. You just have to open your mouth. You just have to give some of your time. You just have to give some, just give. Give what you have. Give what you've got. As believers, someone who encounters Jesus, you go and you walk realizing you have something to give. You, you realize it. You have something. You realize you have something that people need. You realize you have something that people want. And the only way it comes out of you is when pressure is applied. That you put a demand on the gift. Do you hear me? When you put a demand on the gift, when pressure is applied, pressure pulls things out of you. you got to walk out of here saying, I'm going to make myself available. Maybe it's I'm going to sign up or maybe I'm just going to be available and I'm going to get plugged in. Make sure you're giving to others what you got. If I want to get more, I have to learn to give more. I, look, can I give an example of this real quick? I know you all ready, okay. One day, there you are, I worked out with Stephen. Hi, buddy. Now, Stephen works out sometimes, and uh, all the time. He likes to stay fit. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to work out with Stephen today. Because I've been trying to get myself prepared for that moment. And, and I, I just like, you know what? I want to go work out with him. I, I work out by myself all the time. And so I go work out with Stephen. And we're working out. And he has a routine that he does. It's random. He does a certain thing. Then he switches it up because, you know, we can get so used to doing the same thing. And I'm there, and, and Stephen, uh, he's the type of guy that's just not going to just settle or let you settle. Um, and w I've only worked out with him once. <laughs> so, now it doesn't mean I don't work out. I just don't work out like you work out. <laughs> So we're working out, and he's showing me all this stuff. He's like, you need to do it like this, and you should do this. This helps this muscle. This muscle has three different muscles in it, so you need to do it this way, and this way, and this way. I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out how to lift a weight. Let's just lift weights. Why, I don't need a lesson. I just need to lift. Let's go. And, you know, he's lifting with chains, and he's part of the power team and all the kinds of stuff. Like, that's back in the day, so some of y'all don't even know what anything that is. Like, I thought he was going to break a bat and carry a fridge, and like... <laughs> Just look up Power Team. They were like the best group ever in the 90s. Um, so I'm working out with Steven, and, and then we get into doing some stuff, lifting. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, um, you can do one more. I was like, you need to shut up. Like, 
I'm good. I don't need to do one more. I did what I did my set, you said. You can do one more. He's like, Brandon, listen, the only thing that's limiting you is your mind. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> He's like, you can do one more. And I'm like, I mean, if, if it was in a difference, I thought he was going to slap me. Like, come on, get up, you know, get one more in. Like, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> and so, you know, and he's, whole, and, and he's given me a little bit of a assistance. Is that the word? He's grabbing my arms. It's a thing. And he's pulling them up because I'm trying to do this thing. And I'm like, oh, my God. What am I getting myself into? This is crazy. This is your normal. And, and you know, bottom line is what I was doing was his practice round. You know, I'm like. He hadn't even started lifting yet. That was, that was practice? <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm about to vomit. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't do it. My excuses were rolling. I can't. He's like, just do it. You can do one more. Just do one more. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, and, and I did it. And it hurt. And I've, my arms were like jelly. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Some kind of dance the kids do today. You know, like my arms were jelly. Um, <laughs> and here's what, why I say all this, Stephen, you're, you, you do well. Your arms are like my thighs. Um, <laughs> and he does work out well, and he is a great coach, and you, he will kick your butt, I promise. But what he was saying was, like, you've got to get this in order because you don't realize how much more you do have. And here's what I want to say to that. Until the demand was put on me, I didn't know what was in me. Until the demand was put, until the pressure was put on me. And, and the same thing is for you. Until that a pressure is applied, until there's a demand for the gift to come out, you don't know what you've got. You've got something. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have is Jesus. Until the demand is put. And some of you get like that. You get upset about it. I'll stay here. You get upset about it because it's like, oh, you're, you're in my business. No, there's a demand for your gift and the salvation is at hand. Come on. Do one more. Sign up one more time. Come on. Get involved. There's a demand for it. The kingdom of God is at hand. Let's go. We declare war. We need this. We need you. Because if not, here's what happens. Pastor or somebody else is just wore out. I can't do one more. They're like, man, they just do too much. No, I don't do too much. You just don't do nothing. Or a church that shuts down because they financially can't do it. Man, that church was just, man, they just didn't do it right. No, no, no. They were doing it right. You just didn't give. You want to blame somebody else? Look at yourself. Go ahead and look back at your finances. You're doing your tax return. See how much you actually gave this last year. <laughs> One more, Stephen. One more. But you see what I'm saying? There has to be a demand. A demand, and it pushes out the gift. Now, since then, Stephen, I've been able to lift more. I'm just telling you in front of everybody. I've been able, because <laughs> I'm coming for you one more time. Um, I'm going to do better. And he's going to do me at a different level, and I'm going to be mad. because. 
But I've done better what I couldn't do so much, I've been able to do more of now. And it's easy. Now, when that's done, I'm like, what else am I going to do? And when you work out by yourself, you have to motivate yourself. And there won't always be a Stephen in my life to do it. And we, and we, we feel like that our walk with Christ is dictated by somebody else. But in the end, it's your walk with Christ. You have to motivate yourself to get in. There's a demand on you. Woo, Jesus. It's true. It's true. Listen, you can't cure cancer, but Jesus can. You can't heal your friend's marriage, but Jesus can. You can't bring the prodigal home, but Jesus can. And if you would open up your mouth, if you would take time to give what you got, you would see miracles take place in your life. Give what you got. Might not be much, but it is something. I'm not holding back. I'm not. Quit being stingy, church, with your compliments. You know what I mean? When you're out and about, don't be stingy with them. Quit being stingy with your encouragement. Change your perspective. Give what you got. Let go of the lame excuses. We got a lame man and we're giving lame excuses. That's not even the real reason anyway. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to others. Take responsibility. You can choose to respond correctly. That's the that's what the gospel does. It empowers me to walk into the future God has planned for me. We have to give what we got. Let me finish this last scripture here. Or last two. Acts 3, 7 and 8. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. I thought I want to tell you real fast is partner with people. Partner with people. Peter and John were walking by. He can't walk. A lot of Christians might, might have got that part right. They might have got that part right of just walking by and, you know, and saying something and, okay, I'll pray for you. No, Peter and John, they, they get up, they walk. He extends his hand and he helps the man up. He extends a hand and helps him up. Note this. Hear me on this. This is what's crazy. The power is Christ, but the hand is Peter's. Hear me real quick. The power of God is Christ, but the, the hand's Peter's. Guys, we're in the same category. Jesus already died. He rose, and he, he was ascended into heaven. So he's gone, and this Holy Spirit is living inside of these people, and, and this is the crazy part. He started partnering with people. He extended his hand. The power of God flew through his hand, he lifted him up. It wasn't Peter. Partnering. Partner with people. We partner together. Oh, man. The whole Bible, I'll tell you this, the whole Bible is always fighting for humanity to partner together. Hum because the enemy is fighting every single day for you to be separated and drives you apart. What did Jesus say? When two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, my mom said it, in the midst of them. 
What is he trying to do? He's trying to get people to pray together. He's trying to collaborate. He's trying to get people to partner together. One could bring a thousand, two can bring ten thousand. That's not even good math. But more is better. It's us coming together, partnering. It's saying, I need you. You need me. I'm weak. You're strong. You're strong. I'm weak. You know what I'm saying? It's coming together. We're going to pick you up out of this pit and drive you into your future. This is the church we're being. We're going to do this, church. This is Remnant Church. We're going to pick you up out of the pit and help drive you into your future. Listen, he extended a hand. He said, look at me. I don't have all this stuff, but what I do have in the name of Jesus. And he extended his hand, and the man got up. Now, too many times as Christians, I said it the two weeks ago, we, we get down and we're like, look at me, and then we just stay there. It's time to move on. I can set you free real quick. Move on. Oh, we've just been sitting here forever. You've been sitting here for a long time. They bent down, said, look at me. They said, in Jesus' name, got the hand out. If the hand did not want to touch the other hand, guess what Peter and John would have done? Kept going. And praying, God, man. God, please. Let him see it. But we, we stay so long that we forget who we are. We're supposed to go in, and now we're on the other side looking across, seeing the other side of the gate. He extended. We have to partner with people, but people have to be willing to want to be a partner. But you've got to be, listen, it, it's not dictated about who you are. You extend. If they want to accept it, listen. He probably wouldn't have got up if the hand wasn't there. The faith had to connect to the hand. The power of God in the hand that was that off of Peter. We got to get down and pick people up and partner with one another. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. And here we are. And here's the crazy part. That's why church on Facebook Live and church on YouTube isn't enough. I'm glad we have the resource, but it is still called a supplement. It's not the source. There's something about coming into this building. There's something about sitting in these chairs. It's something about gathering with these people, with you guys, lifting up the name of Jesus and one accord. There's something about partnering with each other. What is it? It's our faith. Our faith is partnering together and something happens. Know why you're coming. You're not coming here because the, the worship's good. You're not coming here because the preaching's good. Know why you're coming. You're coming because you need to partner with people in this thing called life. 
You're coming to do that. You're coming to see the face of, you're coming to seek his face. You're coming to lift him up. You're coming because you're tired of living with excuses. You're tired of covering up all the reasons why you can't step into your future. You're coming. You recognize it. And we can only do this together. You ever have a moment when somebody, when something happens to you and someone makes a big deal about it? You know what I mean? Like something happens and they make a big deal about it. Like teenagers do this. Oh, man. Whoa, look at that. Oh, oh. You, you, something happens and you're jacked up and you're like, oh, my gosh. Let's rewind that. Let's watch it again. <laughs> you ever have that where you're, you're struggling, something happens in your life, and somebody's going to keep talking and making a big deal about it? Can I tell you, I don't need sound effects for my pain. Anybody else? We don't need sound effects for our pain. It's real easy to point it out. Oh, you're still down? Oh, you still haven't figured it out yet? You still got issues? You're still broke? I don't need sound effects for my pain. I don't even need it pointed out. I know exactly what's going on. But what I do need is this, someone to stop, get down in my mess, extend a hand, lift me up, encourage me, let me know there's a future, let me know there's a hope, want to partner with me, let me know there's more in store for my life. That's the church we are. We're going to lift people up. I don't have silver. I don't even have the gold. I can't solve sickness. I can't fix your marriage. But I know Jesus, and I know he can. <clears throat> Give what you got. All you have is all you need. If you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, he lives in you. And again, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of you. Extend your hand. The power of God flows through you. But you've got to realize it. Because what do we do? We give an excuse why we can't. Once you've encountered the gospel, you would put the faith into action. And you have to give what you got. Acts 3, 9, and 10. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man that used to sit and beg at the temple gate called Beautiful. I think, church, that people need to start recognizing, to, to start seeing you praising God so they can be like, isn't that the man that used to? Isn't that the woman that used to? You might have used to do drugs. You might have used to been doing some crazy stuff. You might have used to, but you're not that same person anymore. You're not that same person. He sets you free. I'll say this on the side note of that. If you're claiming to be a Christian and you're still doing that, you're a hypocrite. So you have to choose. What am I going to do? Am I going to serve him for real? Or am I just going to keep riding the fence again? 
Because that's what it is. If the Son sets you free, be free. Because you're free indeed. If, that's, if the deed's already wrote off and you're free, then be free. They used to beg. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. My last thought, and we're out of here. See the message in the miracle. Hear me real quick. See the message in the miracle. Many times we hear this. God guides what he provides. Meaning if you follow the provision of God, he will lead you. And that is true. He does. He does. God does guide what he provides. And we've seen that over and over here. But also I believe oftentimes God guides what he withholds. God guides what he withholds. Prime example, look at this story. If Peter would have gave the man what he wanted, silver and gold, he would never have got fresh legs and a soul that encountered Jesus Christ. Amen. If he would have gave him what the man actually wanted, he would never have got those things. And hear me real quick, church. I think about our story here. Some of you have been here for a long time. Some of you are, are, are new. Some of you have been coming for a few weeks, a few months. <laughs> I think about our story at Remnant Church. There has been many miracles already. It's been a lot of closed doors and the withholding of God that has guided us to the bigger and better and greater things. It's been a lot of closed doors slammed in your face. You're not going to make it as a church. You can't change the name of your church within a year and think you're going to make it again. There's no way. You can't do this. You're in the house. How are you going? You're in this little storefront. You're not going to get no building. There's no building that you could have. You don't even have the money to pay millions of dollars for a building in, in almost 10 acres. <laughs> I know a God that can do exceedingly abundantly all I could ask, all your mouth could ask, all your mouth can complain about. I, I know a God bigger than your complaint, bigger than your statement. What it is, it's rejection often leads to the direction of God. I don't know if you know this, church, but we went through, I don't know how many buildings. You know how many buildings we looked at before we got this one? You know how many locations? Let me call them out now. A liquor store, a Mexican restaurant. These were empty buildings. They weren't a liquor store. They're a liquor store now right across from uh, Kroger's in the Mexican restaurant that used to be a movie theater. Do you realize that in that Mexican restaurant was a movie theater? There's an upstairs and it's a huge room that we sat in, in a room and a storefront and prayed and said, God, if this is your will, and we 100% agreed on it, and we were going to go sign the papers, and that was going to be our church location, that we already walked through it, dreamed, visioned it, and we went by faith because it was out of our reach and we sat and we said we know God has called us to do something we're willing to try and we all 100% agreed to go sign papers and that building be remnant church 
Okay? So we're all excited, and we're getting ready to gather with the owner of the building. And he's nowhere to be found. Wouldn't return our phone calls. We went by. We was trying to find places that he was at. And we're like, we're, we're going to do it. This is going to be the new location right there in the front. Bottom line is, is God was just seeing if we was just going to be obedient in the end. But what he withhold, something greater was happening right here. Yeah. Something greater happened right here. Look, look at it now. That could have been our location for real. We almost did. We, we, we looked at multiple churches that are churches right now that were empty that we were going to put, it, put in for. Multiple random locations. We didn't care how it looked. We were going to make it happen. We would have had no grass. We'd have had tons of parking, but we wouldn't have had anything. But a building that's locked in just with the building. The rejection often leads to great decision, the direction of God. I need silver. I need gold. I, I need these things. So I'm going to sit here at this gate and I'm going to stay in this position because I know that there's some people here that walk by and they're pretty generous because, you know, they have to be generous. That's what they kind of teach them at the temple, to, to have some money to, 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 to help with the, the down and out for the community. I know what I believe. So I'm going to sit here until one day it happens because I heard that they, they keep saying in there, some of those guys are talking that the Messiah is going to be coming one day. So I'm going to keep sitting here at this temple. I'm going to sit right here at this gate because this is the main gate that everybody keeps using. Let me just sit here and ask for silver and gold. But here's what happens. One day, Peter and John walk by, and the man's asking for it. And he's like, look, I don't have that, but what I do have, his name is Jesus. You don't have to wait for the Messiah to come. He's already here. Amen. Church, if you realize that the only Jesus your friends might see is you, you don't they don't have to wait for the Messiah to return. He's right there if he lives in you. Be the Jesus they need. Be the Jesus they need. He's right here. He'll fix your broken leg. He'll make you whole. He wants to save your soul. The miracle happened, and he jumps up. It says he leaps. I don't know if people just leap. I mean, we went to this concert, and we was all leaping. My sides were hurting. We was just, like, doing weird things. It was just things. Things were happening. Things were moving. <laughs> but we, he said he leaped up, jumped up, jumping around. Wouldn't you if you hadn't had legs your whole life? But look, here's what's crazy. God healed him so, so crazy that the man didn't have to try to figure out how to walk because he never walked before. He just got up and walked, got up and leaped. He's like, I'm just going to go ahead and do this thing. I don't, I, and what, it's almost like God Healed his legs, healed his mind, and let his mind connect to his legs so there was already in a process didn't miss a step. Oh, you ain't got to be like a baby and do this. I'm going to take you right into your place. And he got up. You got to partner with people. You got to see the message and the miracle. Look what he did. He got up, and guess what? Most of the time Christians are good at this. I said this. They'll pull him up like, good. Hey, we're praying for you. Awesome. What did they do? I'm going to take you to church. Let's go. 
take him into the te- everywhere he needed to go. That's exactly where he needed to be. How many people are just waiting for your hand to pull him and bring him into the house of God? Come on. Or do we just go through the motions and the hands are getting slapped down? He leaped. They were amazed. Hearing him talk about Jesus, it says that they were amazed and uh, he, he kept praising Jesus and everybody was amazed and then they started hearing about Jesus. Jesus. And it says that, the, that Peter started preaching the gospel. He started talking about it. The greatest miracle, guys, listen, isn't just like healing your sickness, it's salvation. Yeah. Your soul's the greatest miracle. It's faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of the Lord. Salvation comes by a message. And all the miracles Jesus did were just a platform for a message to go forth. What good is it to have fresh legs and your soul be lost? The miracle creates a platform for the beautiful message. Peter saw and he said this. Why do you look surprised? He said this in Verse 12, why do you look so surprised? Why are you surprised? Why are you even surprised? We need to start walking in expectation of God doing stuff. Why are you surprised when God... Why is anybody surprised in here when God uses us to reach our community? Why are you surprised when God allows us to give food away to this community? Why are you surprised when our parking lot is full, our grass is full with more cars than we can ever count? Why are you surprised when God gives us so many cars they wrap around the highway into the next road? Why are we surprised when God gives us miracles inside of this building and miracles outside of this building? Why are we surprised when it happens over and over again? Let's start expecting God to do something great. Let's start seeing him do it. Let's start seeing him double it up or triple it up. Let's start, let's start doing the heavenly math. We're one to bring a thousand, two bring ten thousand. Let's start seeing thousands more get to know Jesus. Thousands more lining up. Yeah. Like Brandon, you saying crazy stuff? Absolutely, because I can only walk by faith. Why not? Because as for me in this house, I'm gonna serve the Lord. I'm going to wrap a towel around this arm, and I'm going to serve the best I can. Let's expect God to fill this house. Guys, I only got these chairs separated because some of y'all are COVID scared. (laughs) And we've tried our best to keep it like that. You know how many more we can fit in here? We can fit like 500 or more in here. We can fit 500 chairs in this room if we wanted to. We can pull them all up, pull them around. We can do that. I ain't afraid of that. I'll open every door. I'll rip the walls out of this place. They're not even supporting walls anyway. It doesn't matter. We're going to fill it up and give it to the Lord. And guess what? We'll fill it up again and give it to the Lord. We're going to do that. He says, why are you so surprised? And then he says this, why do you stare at us as if it was by our own power and goodness we made this man walk? What is he doing? He's reminding them. 
What is he doing? He's reminding them. Do you think Peter and John are great? It wasn't their greatness that did this. It's the Christ in Peter and John. They are followers on the way. His name is Jesus. They were on the way. Followers going to the temple. It was Jesus. Now he sends his spirit, and we're walking in the spirit and of the spirit. Don't be impressed with me. Don't be impressed with the worship team. Don't be impressed with the preachers. Be impressed with the God in the preacher. Be impressed with the God in the worship team. Be impressed with the God in Peter and John. And, and uh, Peter's a thug. Remember, he cut an ear. So that's why I have to call him a thug. Um, and then he says this. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You, suckers, handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate. <laughs> Though he had decided to let him go, let him go, let him go. You disowned the, the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. Who's he talking about? Barabbas. He's speaking about Barabbas. He's like, hold up, remember? Remember when you put Barabbas in front of Pilate and, and Jesus was in front of Pilate and, and, and they're like, well, who do you want? It was you that let the murderer go. You're the one that started the riot saying, let Barabbas go. And you're trying to figure out why is this man walking that's been sitting here his whole life at this gate? You're the ones that put Jesus on the cross. Yes, he is right. It is Jesus that set him free. But remember, that's the same Jesus you let a murderer go. That's the same Jesus you killed. But he didn't die. You let the murderer go. And, and we look at this and we're saying, this is awful. How in the world could this even be possible? Why would he do such a thing? Understand this. What he was trying to do is de depict the gospel. That you and I, church in this room, you're Barabbas. Oh, you ain't call me no Barabbas. Yeah, you are. You're Barabbas. I'm Barabbas. We're Barabbas. Why? Because we're sinners. And what did Jesus say? Let the sinner go. I'm going to take the place of their punishment. Barabbas deserved the cross, and Jesus hung on Barabbas' cross. See, we always talk about Jesus hanging on a cross, but realize that that was Barabbas' cross. That was his cross to die on. That was all about him. But he took the place of Barabbas. And he takes the place for you and I. We're Barabbas. He's like, I'll hang on the cross for your sin so you can live. So you can be free. God is doing things so we can get the message out. 
And what is the message? That Jesus came, that he took everything humanity deserved, which is death, punishment, and sin. And he traded places with us. And he gave us everything he deserved, which was life and life more abundantly. He took our place. He traded places. And here's the crazy thing. Peter and John didn't, you can stand with me, I'm done. Peter and John didn't offer an excuse. You probably need to stand because you're numb. Um, I know it went a little long, but I had to get this out of here. Peter and John didn't offer an excuse. They took responsibility. They look at this man and say, listen, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. It's Jesus, so walk. And he puts his hand out and he says, let me help you. So he's like, I'm going to put my hand out so I need to partner with you. So we partner with people. And once the miracle happens, make sure you have the right message. See the message in the miracle. Because here's it is at the end. It is all for the glory of God. I'm not going to live with excuses anymore. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give what I got. I'm going to partner with people. I'm going to see the message in the miracle. See, if we pray today, church, pray that God gives you his eyes. Praying that God, let me see it the way you see it. Let me see humanity to the way you see humanity. And all of a sudden, what it does is it levels the playing field. Because you start to begin to see people without Jesus being broken. Your heart aches for it. You start to see people that don't know Jesus as lost. You realize that people are searching, people are hurting. People are hungry. People are lame without Jesus. If I could say anything, it's let go of the excuses. Your hand extended is going to help change somebody's life. And what did they do? They extended it and brought them to the house of the Lord. It's time to rise up. It's time to begin to act out your faith. It's time to give what you got. It's time to start partnering with people, church. It's time to see the message in the miracle. All you have is all you need. It's just you because Christ lives within you. You have so much more than you know. You are the one. This is the church. You are the church. You can do this. All you have is all you need. All I have is all I need. Say it with me. All I have is all I need. Say it again. All I have is all I need. That's all I need. I'm going to take my journey. I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to see the need. I'm going to meet the need. I'm going to get down. I'm going to let them say, look at me. Yeah, can I help you physically, financially? I might be able to, but that is not what they need. They really might need some of that, but if you just do that and not offer Jesus, it's all gone. They need Jesus. 
and then you help them up. And guess where you take them? There's enough room in here to bring them. You bring them to the house of the Lord. And what's crazy is the man's jumping around, bound. Jesus healed my feet. Jesus healed my feet. Jesus healed my. Jesus healed. Hold on. Jesus healed my feet. And the weirdest thing happens is that he keeps leaning on Peter and John. Man, you ain't got to lean on nobody. You got your own feet. What the reality is, is the miracle didn't catch up to his mind yet. Because sometimes we don't know that we're healed. So just get up and get walking. And here's what happens, church. Uh, I want to say this real quick. God hit me with this early this morning. The problem that happens is you got so used to having attention where you sat in your pain that when you're healed, you don't know what to do because you need attention. And you have to realize that you need to focus your attention on Jesus and give your attention to somebody else in pain. And then we go through this mad cycle because I've been hurt so long and I've been in this position so long and stuck in this for so long that I, I feel like I'm, you know, they talked to me, they gave me money and I feel like I'm making conversation, but you're still stuck in your situation. You, you, you're not there anymore. He extended a hand. You got up. You, you're, you're healed. So act like it, talk like it, show the message in the miracle and turn around and help heal somebody else. It's not you healing, it's the Christ in you that heals. The power is Jesus, the hand is, well, whoever's going to extend it. It's mine. It's yours. Be the extended hand. He's that good. I'm going to pray and they're going to sing. You guys have an amazing day. We love you guys. And I'm telling you, extend that hand. You know what will happen when you extend it? Two things are going to happen. You're going to find yourself filling one of these out because... I, I, there's more I can do. You know what else is going to happen? Next Sunday, if everybody brought one person in here, well, guess what? We're going to have to rearrange some chairs. That's cool with me. I don't care. Because when you extend a hand and bring them in the house of the Lord, you're going to see something happen. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to shout about the miracle because there's a message in it. We're excited about it. So God, here we are again together. This ain't a supplement. This is a real deal. You're here. We're here. We choose today not to live with excuses. We choose today to partner with people. We choose to meet the need. We choose to say all I have is all I need, and I, I can give that. We choose to see the message in the miracle. We choose to share the message that was our miracle. God, I pray you touch this place. And we thank you, God, for all the miracles and all the things you did. God, I'll tell you what. I'm so thankful with what you withheld us from us. Because we are right where you want us to be. God, I know some people need to be shouting over some of those withheld relationships because they'd be real jacked up right now. We're thankful for what you've withheld in our lives, God. And what you provided. God, we're going to keep loving the plow because we're excited about the harvest. And we're going to see it every week here at Remnant Church. And we're going to see the harvest come. We love you. We're thankful. No more excuses. We live full lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>